The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got a sun in Phoenix, too. 52 to... podcast a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything phoenix suns basketball my name is charlie erling and as always i'm joined by mitch krumpetich howdy this week on the show we'll talk about games one and two and then we'll we'll finish that up with the devin booker injury and what that is going to mean for the suns moving forward shout outs are in order from our bet question from last week shout out to omar at midcard at best who got the bet question right on the dot. We were guessing Chris Paul assists in game one against the Pelicans. Chris Paul had 10, and Omar got that right on the dot. Between the two of us, I said 11, and you said 12. So I win this one. I now I, I take the season lead 10-9. to 9. Is, Are we going to keep going, or is this over now? Um... I think we went through the playoffs last okay. year. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully we get quite a few more rounds of this moving forward, but we will. We will. We will. So, the Suns, the series is tied up 1-1 with the Pelicans right now. We're going to start on the high note, game 1, obviously. This was a a nice way to open up the playoffs. Uh it was a great game back and forth at times, but then when it came down to it, we saw Chris Paul pull off some of the craziest fourth quarter antics I've ever seen happen in all of my days watching basketball. Uh, what he did to, to seal up the game was just amazing. And at his age, at his size, doing that sort of thing just right off the bat in the playoffs had me feeling a certain kind of way about what would be happening going forward. Yeah, I mean, he kind of evened it out in game two, unfortunately, but game one was great. I mean, he hit a lot of threes. Um, He just was in total control of the game. I believe he he had seven rebounds, and I believe all of them came in the first half, which was kind of weird. But um, yeah, 10 assists, 30 points. I, I believe he's the oldest player to score 30 points in a playoff game. So pretty amazing. He scored 19 of those points in about two minutes, <laughs> yeah. or 17 of them, or whatever it was. It was mm-hmm. just putting on an absolute show, and uh, you you had to feel for Larry Nance a little bit because he was just hunting him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they, when he got that switch, he knew he was gonna put up a shot, and 
the fact that they were going under so many screens with Chris really surprised me because I, it does make a little bit of sense because you know Chris's first thought isn't to pull the three in the yeah. in a pick and roll situation or coming off a, a screen or anything. Yeah, it seems like their game plan was to go under the screens and to kind of force Chris Paul to shoot threes because you can tell he kind of doesn't love it. Right, but uh, four for six in this one, and man, we, we needed him because Pelicans put up a great fight in that one. The first half was yeah. uh, all Suns. We, had him, we held him under 20 in both of the quarters of the first half. And then the third quarter rolls around. They beat us by 11 in that one, 37 yeah. to 26. Yep. Yeah, the third quarter uh, has been the Pelicans for the taking over the last two games. They have just destroyed in the third quarter. And yeah, in game one, they got the score to within seven or eight because of that big third quarter. But then Chris Paul stepped in and said, no, no. And we ended up winning by 11, which was half a point over the line, too. Ah. So that's interesting. Yeah. And uh, Chris Paul went plus 20 in the plus minus column. Uh, Most on the team by nine. Jay Crowder actually was plus 11 in his 28 minutes. In his one, 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 one game. (laughs) Yeah, afraid so. stat line. Uh, big number. All he did was shoot threes, 0 for 4, and then three fouls. And that that hurts. That's something we should definitely talk about. Jay Crowder, known as a streaky player. We all kind of expect him to be a little bit streaky, but the first two games of this series have been very, very rough. Uh, yeah. Do you expect anything to change moving forward i don't see him getting pulled out of the starting lineup but i see cam johnson getting a few more minutes tossed at him yeah maybe i mean we saw this last year in the playoffs too he had some stinkers but he comes back and hits a few shots and it makes all the difference so i i think he's still gonna play just because of his defense you know even when he's not doing anything crowder is one of those guys that does a lot on the defensive end that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. So that is true. That is true. And uh, unfortunately he's one of our better rebounders that we throw out on the court Uh, after JaVale and Aiton, it's kind of up for grabs unless uh, if you throw busy in there, I'd probably put him number three, but yeah, don't know how many minutes he'll be seeing, but Hey, maybe that's something that's crept into Monty Williams's head. Does, does Busy I mean, get in? Yeah, I mean something needs to happen after these first two games with this terrible lack of rebounding. Right. I mean Valanciunas is a great rebounder and a great player overall, but like this is ridiculous. No, twenty-five rebounds for Valanciunas in game one. Thirteen offensive rebounds. More yeah. offensive rebounds than defensive rebounds, and. I mean, this game, we needed that win, and it was an 11-point win, but there wasn't a lot to feel great about after that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like, Valanchunas' 13 offensive rebounds, we get bailed out because he shoots 33% from the floor, 7 for 21. I mean, 
how many more of those second chance points does he convert in game two? Probably quite a few more than he did in yes. that. Yes. Uh, and then Ingram goes six for 17. McCollum goes nine for 25. So we can say that they shot poorly in that one. Aided by good defense. We did bring the defensive intensity in game one for sure. So yeah, we did. Yeah. We got to hold our hats on that. That The defense uh, helped us win this game for sure. And we yep. can't say that about game two at all. No, but game one, still great. I mean, there's always things to improve on. And uh, we still got the win. It was a nice way to set the tone. We know that the winner of game one usually wins the whole series. I'm still feeling very confident about this series, despite all the things we're going to talk about a little later here. Right. Yeah, I I honestly am too. But uh, game one, we'll end it with Chris Paul with those 30 points, Booker for 25, Aiton for 21. Uh, Aiton was 10 for 15, nine boards. Obviously got out-rebounded vastly by Valanchunas, but he it's nice seeing Aiton going. And that's something that uh, going forward in the series, we need to see a lot more of. We need to yeah. we need to keep the big man fed down there. Yes, yes. And, I mean, we learned this in the playoffs last year, too, that we need to continue to go to him. And when we shy away from that, it doesn't usually go well. That's very true. All right, let's move it on to game two, though. It's tough to be happy about game one after what happened in game yeah. two. And I was trying really hard. but I was, too, but yeah. everything just kept rolling back to, but this happened in game mm-hmm. two, and what's going to happen now? So mm-hmm. we'll move on to that. Uh, game two, Pelicans. As soon as Devin Booker went down in this one, the entire pace, energy, feeling of the game just completely changed with it. And that's not an excuse. I am not going to be the guy that says, well, we didn't win because Devin Booker got hurt. You will not hear me say that ever. The team collapsed afterwards, though, and they didn't do anything to help themselves. Right. I mean, everyone's dealing with injuries. Luka's hurt for the Mavs. Um, Booker's hurt now. I'm trying to think of anyone else that comes to mind, but everyone deals with injuries throughout the playoffs. It's just part of the game. We dealt with it last year and still made it to the finals. Like this is part of it. Booker has had kind of this nagging on and off hamstring thing. He most recently had it last November where he was out for seven games. I think it's that same hamstring. The Woj report says it's a mild hamstring strain. He's possibly out for the next one to two games, but that's about all the information we have. But mild is a good sign. Yeah, happy to hear mild, I suppose, and not a, you know, if it ever, oh, I don't even want to say that, but I get a little worried when the guy keeps hurting his hamstring. Mm-hmm. That that means... uh. Uh, it means that we should be giving him as much time as possible yes. right now, yes. as much as we love. And I'm sure he'd love to be out on the court and I'm sure he could go give a decent amount of minutes, but it's not going to be the full Devin Booker experience. We we just got to let him come back and I at, at his own pace. And I, I've been thinking about this since this happened last night. 
I honestly believe, and call me a homer if you want, the Phoenix Suns are a better team than the Pelicans without Devin Booker. Yeah. I don't I, think we need Devin Booker to beat these guys three more times. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy, though, because we saw what the Pelicans did in this game, too. They shot the lights out, and they were getting what they wanted. I mean, yeah. it, I'm not saying they were chucking up and getting lucky either. I mean, some were contested, some weren't, but they were hitting everything. So yeah, you can't count those guys out. But I still think we have a good chance without D-Book for the next two games. We also have to put this into a larger context. I've found that most people, I guess just on Twitter, have not been doing this. Um, I've been staying off Twitter. I know I stayed off Twitter a lot during the playoffs last year. But when we put this in the larger context, we had a couple duds. And actually, one of them was against the Pelicans during the regular season. And all we did was we regrouped got our plan back on track, and it was fine. We barely lost two games in a row over the course of the season, and I don't think we ever lost more than two in a row. I think we uh, did three towards the three. end of the year, oh, but did that's we? it. Okay. Oh, that's right, at the very end, yes. But, yeah, we just don't lose very many games in a row because we are good at making those adjustments. And if you look at this, it's very fixable problems. I mean, the transition defense was awful. Just truly, truly terrible. And I guarantee that won't happen again. Uh, The Pelicans also shot really, really well. They made, what, 17 threes? Yeah. That's fairly unlikely to happen again as well. Chris Paul did not have a very good game in this one, and that's also unlikely to happen again. Jay Crowder is hopefully going to turn this around. Campaign has been playing very poorly, and it is it is not typical of how he plays. Like There's just a lot of things that are very, very fixable going into Game 3. Yeah, and I'm not trying to make excuses either, but... You got to think about after that week off or however long it was, however long like D book and Chris were shut down at the end of the regular season too. They get all that time off and then you get one game, one day off and then another game right after that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that has to be a little different. Pelicans are in, you know, ideally a play in team. I mean, that's what you want to happen for, for them. I mean, they're playing at their best. And they've had to be playing at their best for the last two weeks of the regular season. So they're in the full swing of things. And I think that's shown in both games. Like, these guys are ready to play. They're well coached. Willie Green is doing a heck of a job. Uh, No, I I don't want to discount the Pelicans at all. I've been really impressed with them, but I still Mm -hmm. think we're the better team. Yeah, I agree. And I think the Pelicans are about a year away from being a very good team. Um, especially if they get Zion back next year, they're going to be great. Uh, but yeah, I still think we'll be okay. Even if we don't have Booker. Now, the other thing though, is with this playoff format, there's two days off before game three, another day off before game four, and then two more days after that before game five, because of the travel schedule and everything like that. And then, I mean, that gives Booker time to heal to take it easy and see if he wants to try maybe he comes back for limited minutes at some point who knows we can't really predict that but the the schedule is definitely in his favor 
True. And uh, it's not the exact same situation, obviously, but look what the Warriors have been able to do with Curry, you know, easing him back into the lineup. And he got hot and scored as many points as he probably averages in 20 some minutes. So maybe that's something that we can see in game four. Uh, I I just don't want to rush it, but if it comes down to it and the Pels get a lead in this series, how tough is it going to be to keep Devin Booker off the court? He's going to want to play. He's definitely going to want to play. Yeah. Yeah. We really, we truly need to win at least one game. Uh, in New Orleans. I'd love to win two. I think it's very possible to win both, but at minimum, we need to win one. Absolutely. We, we can't drop two. Absolutely cannot drop two because uh, we already dropped one at home. So you gotta, you gotta match that. And I think we're totally capable of doing it too. Yeah. Uh, we, are. we gotta go to one high note though, because otherwise we're just going to complain the whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> Devin Booker's first half. Yeah, it was awesome. Was absolutely insane. Uh, and the baby fist bump. Everybody's seen that today. So cool. So I, I cool. saw that on the front page of Reddit from three different uh, places. One was like sports, one was NBA, and the other one was, I think it was gifts. I, I don't even remember, but it was all over the place. So a lot of people saw that, and it was pretty cool. But the guy was hot. And I just can't imagine what would have ended up if he were able to play, you know, 16 more minutes for 40. Yeah, that would have been a that would have been one to remember. And I think he the probably outcome would, the have had, would have been different. Yeah. Well, yeah, he probably would have had 71 points. <laughs> um, but I have a little bit of an issue here. His first half was great. OK, but Devin Booker is one of the main leaders on this team and his body language was not good. Like I know he was upset, but like the whole team was drained after that. Like there was no energy and you could see him just sitting on the bench, just kind of stone faced. Right. I mean, I don't blame him. Like I probably would have done the same thing, but you could just tell like all the other guys were upset too. And then their play was, I mean, it reflected that. It's like, I mean, I just remember going way back to the basics. Some of my first basketball coaches, I mean, outside of like YMCA first grade basketball. But when you're playing for like the school team, the coaches always tell you, keep your head up. If you make a mistake or something, just get back up and keep playing hard. Have a short memory, all of that, you know, all those cliches and like, I don't know. It just didn't seem like Booker just seemed really, really upset and it drained the team. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> it was tough seeing him on the bench, just staring straight ahead, not following the game, just looking so upset. And I, I can relate to just knowing that it was a hamstring. He's been dealing with a hamstring injury for the last few years of his career. He was probably thinking worst case scenario. And I'm sure you I'm sure that was what the big deal was. Uh, Yeah. And maybe that's a little selfish of him being worried about himself more than the team. But eh, I I think he I think he might. That's a fair thing. I mean, he's been uh, 
he was carrying us in that first half. I think he outscored the team in the first half. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's tough, but a, a little different attitude on the sideline would have been nice. I, I, I do agree with you there. And I think moving forward, it will be fine, and he will recognize the role that he plays and how he influences the team as a leader, and it'll be fine. And he'll be there to hype the guys up as much as he can. Uh, but yeah, he was just so dejected. It was sad to see. Yeah. And yeah, the, the, if it went, if that was what was on the guys' mind that was making him stand around and quit playing defense, that stinks. But I don't, you, you just can't blame it on that. Uh, you, you gotta be mentally stronger than that. Jay Crowder. I mean, I saw him not make it past half court a couple times and, if you're not making threes, Jay Crowder, what else are you bringing to the team? Right. You got to be hustling for everything, man. Otherwise, Cam Johnson should be out there because he can at least uh, do it on both ends and get up and down the court a little bit. I- I've been just pretty disappointed with Jay. And, I mean, what was it last year in the Lakers series? He couldn't do a thing until LeBron punked him, and then he kind of came to life after that. Yeah. Was this the punking that we needed? This uh, Hopefully. I, I hope Hopefully. so. I don't want I don't want to get punked any more than we did last night. <laughs> no, but think about that. Uh, talking about Jay, think about Chris. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul doesn't like to lose, and uh, he's gonna want. He's the one that's gonna be shouldering this the most. He's the leader out on the court. That's right, and he missed a lot of shots that normally mm-hmm. fall for him, and they were close. I mean, it was a lot of just rimming in and out and. I mean, it was just an off night for him, and that I'm not so worried about. I mean, those shots are going to fall for him most of the time. It was just an uncharacteristic game for Chris Paul. Yeah, when you see him get to his spots and, you know, before it even happens, you know he's going to get there, and then you just assume it's going to go in. But, yeah, a lot just, they were rimming out. That's tough. That's tough. And a few rimmed out for Aiton. And, I mean, it's the same thing for Crowder, too. Crowder's going to bounce back. That's, I mean, not getting across half court is very uncharacteristic for Jay Crowder. Like, he's he's going to be fine. He'll bounce back. And the other thing, this is another thing that I don't want to blame everything on. But I don't, I mean, it's beyond a coincidence at this point that the Chris Paul is 0-14 in playoff games that Scott Foster officiates. Now, I don't think the officiating was actually that bad. Yes, Valanchunas is getting away with a lot and playing very physically. But, I mean, in the fourth quarter, the Pelicans had five fouls before the Suns had one. So, we can't... I don't think we can use that as an excuse. I just want to note it because it's an interesting stat. 0-14. He's the only guy in the NBA... That is in Chris Paul's head. Yeah. Yes. I don't think any player in the league can really get to him like that. Uh, Pat Bev can shove him full strength in the back, and Chris Paul's probably over that right now. You yeah, know? exactly. I worry about what Chris thinks about in the morning when he gets out of bed and he sees that uh, Scott Foster's ref in the game tonight. Yeah. yeah. Like, what is there... Uh, I don't know, man. Chris, Chris Paul doesn't need a sports psychologist, but maybe like a voodoo doll or something. <laughs> Scott Foster voodoo doll. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I think you're right. It, there is a, a certain mentality. And, you know, we perpetuate it because we see it and we go, oh, great, here we go. And everyone on Twitter, again, I go back to Twitter, but oh, stay off Twitter during the playoffs. It's stressful. <laughs> like, literally, I've been looking today just to see if there's any updates on Booker. And I'm just like, I have to get off, like, as soon as I get on. Like, oh, it's so negative and like everyone just overreacts so much to one single game like use some perspective you've had a great season we don't lose two in a row very often like we're gonna be fine yeah it's just all so reactionary Uh, Devin Booker leaves the game and that means he's out for the rest of the playoffs and the Suns won't win another game you know that's what goes through people's heads and for some reason idiots like to read that and retweet that and then as it is on social media. Uh, that's how it goes. But, you know, just keep your heads. Uh, don't act like a clown on social media. Uh, enjoy Suns basketball because exactly. there's not going to be two stinkers in a row. We're and still the best team in the NBA. Still. Yeah. You're right. I mean, missing Devin Booker, sure, is going to be huge. But we still have Chris Paul. We still have Cam Johnson, who's been great. Mikhail, I mean, we haven't even talked about Mikhail. Mikhail has been just his usual self. He's been good. Um, JaVale has actually been pretty good. Aiton needs to rebound a little better, but he's been good overall. Like, we're fine. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah, that. let's move on to that. And what, what do you think we're going to need to do even better now to make up for this Devin Booker injury, let's just assume that he's not going to be playing at all in Game 3. What's the most ideal thing to happen for the Suns team to come get a W? Yeah. Well, we're going to need someone else to step up on the scoring side of things. Whether that be Crowder or McHale. Maybe McHale goes for 20 or 25 in a game. We're going to probably need to replace 15 to 20 points somewhere. So... Maybe campaign starts to come alive. Um, maybe uh, Cam Johnson has a couple big games. Um, Crowder, Mikhail, yeah, any of those guys, they're going to need to step up. And then we just need to tighten things up. Defense, rebounding as much as we can, hitting our free throws. I think that's what we need to do. Right, I agree. Uh, I think it's going to start with defense primarily. Uh, 125 points, giving that up to those guys, that's tough to see, but they shot lights out. Right, right. I I mean, we could have played better defense, obviously, but they they were just hitting everything. They were on. And we weren't. And I believe we only gave up more than 125 three times all season. So... I mean, I think we're going to come down and just really clamp down on defense. Right, and that's... I'm going to assume that's the main message that's being portrayed to the team uh, heading into Game 3. D-Book's not there. We're not going to score as many points, probably, but we can play better defense. Right. And we can hustle more, you know? I mean, yeah, we held them to 99 in Game 1. And sure, they... okay. We have two like exact opposite games from the Pelicans. Game one, they shot uncharacteristically bad. Game two, they shot uncharacteristically good. It's going to regress to the mean. So if we can score 110 or 115, we're going to be fine. Yep. And I, I don't think we'll have a problem doing it. 
And yeah, Jay Crowder will be hitting some threes in the series. Uh, it'll come around, obviously. But I think uh, th- I- I'm just picking on this game too a little bit. DeAndre Ayton needs to do a better job getting position down low as early as possible, and we need to feed him down there more. Uh, I I've seen him go up, get some contact, and not come away with the foul quite a few times in the series. But that doesn't mean we can just go away from it. He only shot six times this last game. Yeah. And you know what's odd to me is I feel like we feed JaVale when he's in and Aiton's not. Right. But we're not feeding Aiton. Yeah, that that's kind of – yeah, that's interesting. And I wonder if uh, maybe we just feel more comfortable because when JaVale's in, that probably means uh, Nance is in and JaVale has – Quite a few inches on Nance, so that's a yeah. bit of an easier target. But yeah, but yeah, that is a good point. It feels like Javale gets it whenever he, uh, whenever he calls for the ball, it's coming his way. And I mean, he does a great job finishing under the rim too. So I'm not going to complain. He does. No, I've been actually very happy with the way Javale has played. He's been a bright spot. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Uh, so this has crept into my mind. Mm-hmm. Tory Craig hasn't done a ton. Yeah. At all. Mm-hmm. We're getting beat on the glass. Do we go big? Does Busy get in with Aiton or McGee at some <laughs> point? Do we flirt with anything like that? Can Can Busy stay in front of uh, Brandon Ingram to any extent? <laughs> or maybe if they go to the bench like when... Marshall comes in or something like that. Do you think we can throw him in at that point? I think it's worth trying. And I don't think Monty would be afraid to do that. So, yeah. I don't think that's the key to turning this thing around. But if we're getting beat on the glass, I think that's something that we got to at least consider. Or maybe even just busy at center for a few minutes or, or something. Just give him a little... A little test and i know busy's game is pretty one-dimensional on offense and uh but i think you know we might have to make a sacrifice like that at some time if we're going to continue to get out rebounded like this uh they had us by 10 in this game i don't know something needs to be done and i i miss jalen smith right now yeah yeah would be nice hate to say it i hate yeah. to say it but i know well Hopefully Tory Craig steps up. I mean, even if he could just like hit a couple shots or get a block or a couple more rebounds or something, like that would make a difference. But yeah, and yeah. man, there, see, I'm a little just peeved with Craig here because there was a play last night. He was trying to get everybody riled up and dig in on defense, that type of thing. He's like turning around, barking at the guys, and then you play like his guy passes the ball off. He goes down to help. He sinks down there. And then they just fired a pass out to his guy, and he hit a three. And Craig was just not even there to contest it. I just saw that, and I was like, come on, man. If you're going to be getting these guys involved and barking at them like that, you need to be playing top-notch defense. Craig definitely needs to step it up in his minutes, and he hasn't even been getting a ton in the rotation here in the playoffs, but he hasn't deserved them at this point, so... Without Booker moving forward, I'm interested to see, you know, who who gets the minutes and then even more than that, who actually steps up. Yeah. 
And I think the answer to both of those questions is Cam Johnson. Very true. Uh, Cam is Cam's our guy. He's uh, one of the twins, but now triplets. As the triplets, Aiden is that's now right. That's right. part of the twins, making them triplets. So mm-hmm. we need all of the triplets to uh, play a good game. Play two good games while we're in New Orleans. We need to come away with one win. Uh, that's yeah. That's the minimum. We have to get one in New Orleans. Yeah, and I think it's very doable. I think we can. So game three, Friday, 6.30 Arizona time. Uh, game four, Sunday, also 6.30 Arizona time. Our bet question for this week is for game four. And our question is, how many points will Jay Crowder score? <laughs> and uh, I believe it's your turn to go first. So. All right. Well, he's he's due for something. And, you know, by game four, we're going to assume he's on the up and up for game three. And then I think he's going to do a little better in game four even. I'm going to go 15 for Jay Crowder in game four. 15. Okay. Five threes. Do, do I want to prices right you? No, I won't. I'll say 12. All right. Yeah. So let us know on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod how many points you think Jay Crowder will score in game four on Sunday. Uh, but with that, we're going to move to the non-sports section of our show. Um, you've been driving a lot. Um, yes. I have not been driving a lot, but I still drive sometimes. Our, our question is, how do you pass the time in the car? Huh. So, having spent five days of the last seven behind the wheel... I had many opportunities to uh, try different methods of ways to pass the time. So I, I tried a couple free audiobooks this time. Oh. And uh, it was okay. It was, they were cre- they were free because I, I didn't want to buy one because I had never done one. I didn't know if I'd be able to hold my interest level through it. So I thought, let's just try this out. So I got Crime and Punishment. And it was free on Google Books, but it was read by a Google AI. <laughs> and I, I, uh, I'd give the Google AI narrator uh, seven out of ten, maybe six and a half oh, out of ten okay. on the performance. Oh. It wow. was like it was passable. Wow. But you know, it wasn't perfect. And I know, like, I've heard clips of audiobooks with actual narrators and, you know, using voices, different voices and that type of thing. And that's a whole different level. So I don't want to write them off. I will say, audiobooks, when I got locked in, was the, I think it was the most engaged my brain would be. Mm. So I was never bored, but the time didn't move very quickly. And I didn't mm-hmm. mind, you know, like I, I didn't mind it. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, and it's non-sports, sorry, but lots of NBA, Sirius XM radio, ESPN radio. Uh, I did a lot of that, but I did find myself going nuts once I heard the news cycle repeat itself on a different show. Mm-hmm. That was a little tough. So I'd say if I could, and I, I had a few podcast in there as well so if you if i could just rotate between those three i don't think i'd ever really be bored on a road trip 
Yeah, yeah. That's that's a lot. Um, and it, it makes me realize, like, how much I really listen to things like podcasts or, like, music or whatever. Um, I mean, I guess I do a similar thing. I'm not an audiobook guy because I just lose track of what's happening so quickly and when then you're read, you're boned after right, that exactly you know, if your mind exactly. wanders for a couple minutes you're just lost yeah when i read i have to go back and reread so much because i just notice oh wow i wasn't really paying attention i don't know what's happening you know so audiobooks are hard i've tried them and it just yeah it's hard for me um but i'm a big you know music on the road trip kind of guy i'll make big long playlists that i try to make last at least the entire length of the road trip knowing i probably won't need it the whole time i mean i can listen to music all day long my wife will be like can we do something else and i'm like sure i know that i can overdo it i mean i can i could listen to music all day long um so yeah it'll be nice to make uh, a long playlist um Podcasts too. I listen to like four or five weekly podcasts and I will intentionally not listen. I'll let them back up a little bit when I know I've got a long drive, especially if they're like an hour or so long. That's really nice because, you know, you might drive for three hours. You listen to three shows and it's like, oh, yeah, I'm done now or I'm at the, you know, break point or whatever. Um the other thing is just like classic like 20 questions type games i love stuff like that too and that can be a fun way to pass the time nice yeah um sadly half of my road trip was solo that was a new experience for me uh and you know i'm a pretty introverted guy most of the time so i i don't mind the quietness but i did find myself longing for a little uh just a little something something there like the talks with my android auto uh text messaging my wife just kind of felt weird (laughs) yeah (laughs) it was was weird at one point but i will say i did make a friend on the trip uh he followed me for about three hours down different roads like we were we were we must have been heading the same direction overall but it was a little crazy and then i had to pull off for gas and uh, I gave him a nice wave when he waved back at me when uh, when he passed me. It was it was nice, but nice. man, we were on some roads where there was just it was bleak, brother. I mean, yeah. there was just nothing for miles and miles. We took yeah. some weird highways, and my wife, <laughs> uh, we we started getting a little scared because it was getting dark and we were in the southwestern edge of colorado kind of Mm -hmm. and there is just absolutely nothing on this road right right you know we have like back in south dakota you don't go too far without seeing another farmhouse that's all lit up and by the highway it's a little different out in that that part of colorado so we were just we were both a little sketched out and then we started a game talking about would we ask these people for help if we were to break down (laughs) and i mean most of the places were like not well lit pretty run down i'm pretty sure that most of them were vacated and nobody was even there but uh it took us starting to just joke about it to kind of forget about the fact that we were maybe a little scared a few minutes ago and (laughs) we made it all the way through though that that was kind of you know you got to do a little something to 
pass the time on a road trip. Yes, you definitely do. I know that part of Colorado that you're talking about, it is a pretty, it is kind of bleak. And it's like you get gas basically whenever you can because you don't know when the next gas station is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. The most substantial thing we drove by for a period of maybe three hours was a prison. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Oh, geez. All right. That wraps things up. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll be back after, you know, probably two more games. Is that a good assumption? or Probably. We'll see what happens. Yeah, just just keep an eye out on your podcast app. We'll be popping up there. Uh, Let's root for definitely one win in New Orleans over these next two games. Very necessary. That's what we're pulling for. All right. We'll see you guys again. Thanks for tuning in, and go Suns.